0: Make it
1: kind. M.I.P. With my Matfumo.
0: Mark Thompson. Make it kind. Get woke.
1: God bless you. Good morning. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, M.I.P. is COVID free. Free meaning you don't need a subscription. To hear MIP every day now for a limited time, while we endure this pandemic, we want to make it available to everyone. So wherever you get your podcast—Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora—MIP is COVID-free and available to you and everyone without a subscription. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is a researcher and an adjunct professor in the Howard University Department of Sociology and Criminology, where her research focuses on race, gentrification, health, and social policy. She is a PhD, an MPH, a, a sociologist, policy analyst, and she is the principal of the Center for Urban and Racial Equality, a strategic research and consulting firm that partners with people and organizations to advance equity through policy, systems, institutional, and community change. We're happy to have on the show with us today, Dr. Judy Lubin. Dr. Lubin, uh, welcome to Make It Plain. How are you doing and how is your family?
2: I am doing well, fortunately, um, and, and prayerfully. We are, we are doing well, but you know, adjusting and trying to get through day to day like everyone else is. But you know, yeah. we're we're doing well. It's it's so good to be with you, Mark. You your voice is so important and so powerful in this moment. And I've been a fan of yours since you were when you were on W O L in DC. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. You, 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 <laughs> so, you're da- you're dating yourself now. I, I don't dating know if you want to do that. <laughs> 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 well well bless you and thank you so much for saying that. Um I read your most recent op-ed and it confirmed a lot of things um, that are our greatest fears. Um, the disproportionality when it comes to this Corona um, is having a devastating impact on uh community of colors in general, but African-Americans in particular.
2: Yeah. So, you know, for several weeks, we didn't know quite what was going on, but I think there was a sense right in the community that coronavirus COVID-19 was hitting us, you know, particularly hard. I know for me, I was going on Facebook and every time I would open it up, I would see faces of black people, faces right. and stories mm-hmm. of, of black people. And, um, and and so I think folks were feeling that, that something was going on. Right. But we weren't getting the data. Um, and so it was important that we saw members of Congress that we saw there was a, a group of researchers, um, black researchers in Virginia that put out the call initially. And, and and then, you know, civil rights organizations, you know, started asking, you know, where is the data we need to understand what's happening with testing, what's happening with hospitalizations and death rates. And so if it wasn't for that 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 outcry, we probably would still be in the dark right now in terms of really getting a sense of what um how COVID-19 is really hitting us you know across the country really in every major city
1: and but but still we're not getting all of the racial data yet are we
2: we are not getting the data that we need so last week the CDC released data on Friday 75 percent of the data on race was missing before the data that they did have they were showing that 30 percent of all of COVID-19 cases across the country. 30 Black folks represent 30% of those cases, and we're only 13, 14% of the population. So even with the limited data that we do have, we're seeing these huge disparities. And so that was just the CDC looking at the national level. And we're seeing, you know, across and city after city, we're seeing similar disparities where we're overrepresented sometimes twice the level of our population in these cities.
1: So now, um, who is responsible for collecting that data? Where, where does that really begin? At the local level, at the hospital level, or or just what?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good question, right? So, so clearly the hospitals and the healthcare providers play a big part in this, but there's been a failure in leadership, right? There's been a failure in national leadership where the CDC could have made that call and made a strong call and requirement for hospitals and healthcare providers, local health departments to make sure that they're collecting that data. So at the local level, we know that that is happening You know, at, at, at some level within the hospitals and the health departments are collecting that information. And sometimes it's, it's going through the state level health departments and they're controlling that information. So we had some states that didn't wanna release um, the race level, um, uh, racial and ethnic um, disparity data Um, So right now, I just, I spoke to someone in New Orleans and, and, you know, they were saying it's it's all over the place in terms of who's doing what, there's duplication, there's confusion. Um, And so, you know, that just reflects to me the failure of leadership at the national level. When you see the CDC reporting, you know, 75% of the cases have no race and ethnicity data, when this is a basic principle of public health, you know, for the past 20, 30 years because yeah. health disparities are not new. And we know that we need we need the data to be able to track, to know how we're gonna target resources, which communities are being most, most impacted.
1: So, but I guess the other problem too is, and you allude to this in your article, we've been hearing stories about this, uh, uh, frightening anecdotes. If in order to compile that data, you have to also make decisions that you're treating african americans and so what we're hearing is some african americans can't even get tested so if if we're disproportionately not being tested then that lessens the number of of cases uh, of uh, in the system itself and and that's to me is even scarier
2: mm-hmm. yeah so again domino effects in terms of just you know the 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 rollout of the testing we're still not testing at the level that you know we need to be testing we're only a million people I think right now a a, a week and experts are saying we need to get to at least three million Mm -hmm. people tested each week to really get a sense of who's impacted but you know the criteria you know for testing you know the past at least they're starting to loosen it a bit but I think a lot of us we got um, we fell through the cracks with with the initial um, testing um, criteria where there was, you know, it was primarily, because there just weren't enough tests, right? So it was primarily geared towards um, those who were 65 years or older, um, because, right, we know that, the, uh, that uh, our seniors are particularly uh, vulnerable, um, and then a requirement that you had symptoms, right? Um, and now we know that lots of folks have COVID-19 and aren't displaying uh, uh, symptoms, and so folks weren't having access to the tests. Um, people were, you know, having severe issues and still weren't being tested, right? Because they weren't in that age category or weren't weren't sick enough, right? And so how sick, you know, do you need to be to get a test, right? Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, we've seen too many cases. I started saving stories of people, of Black folks being turned away two, three times from the hospital. They couldn't get a test. They couldn't get um admitted. So something you know is is happening. and 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 given the the history of racial bias in this country, um, we have to pay attention, particularly when we have such wide scale system failure, um, we know that we're going to experience the more um, more deleterious impacts of of government failure. And so I think we're seeing that now, where everything is basically broken down. Basic principles of public health, like data collection, um, the targeted outreach, you know, to our communities. It was, a, you know, there was data coming out in February and early March that um, those that have existing pre-existing conditions were at particular um, risk for severe cases of COVID-19. And so there was, you know, who has who has those pre-existing conditions disproportionately in this in this country? It's it's our communities. And so where was that effort? Um, to communicate and to, to to get the wheels of public health and the principles of community health um, yeah. Going yeah. so that, you know, hopefully we, we might have been able to, you know, mitigate and prevent some of the the loss of life that we're seeing
1: Yeah, yeah, clearly there wasn't there was no interest in getting that done and that's the original sin on on the testing you know, if everybody <laughs> needs to be tested and mm-hmm. tested uh, in a broad range um, but now uh, uh, let's um, let's go to the the far end of this now, as your article indicates and and talks about um, when African Americans are being seen by physicians or hospitals, we're hearing cases about uh, who's being triaged, who's getting access to ventilators, and. Um, whether it's because of the color of our skin or the uh, comorbidities and pre-existing conditions that African Americans disproportionately have is really both. You almost ha- can't have one without the other. That's having an effect too, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it's clearly having you know it's clearly having an effect where, first, you're having an issue with us even getting into the system, right? In terms of being able to access testing being able to to access care which means we know that the longer you delay care particularly when you're sick that means you're going to get the more get to a more advanced um, stage of of illness um and so so we're coming in with those comorbidities um it sounds like from what we know with advanced um or severe cases of covid19 so so by the time you're checked into the hospital if you get checked in right that you know you're in pretty bad shape um and so um so so we see we see those breakdowns happening and then you know there's been a discussion about um because that was the ventilators right like that you know the shortage of of the ventilators and how do you decide right like can you get to a point where you're deciding who gets a a ventilator based on their chances of survival um and for a lot of what they call uh crisis standards of care right in disaster moments like this when you know that there's probably going to be a shortage of medical resources. Who do you decide actually gets those life-saving um, interventions? And it's hard for us to think about that, right? Like that folks are going to be sitting there deciding, making these choices. And, and you know, it's, it's the side of healthcare care when, when we're in an uh, emergency um, situation like this that those types of decisions sometimes have to be made and a lot of these standards of care you know they you know say that you know those that have multiple um, conditions that reduces their chances of survival um, are you know in, in in on that list for potential potentially not receiving um, um, ventilators and you know i heard from a colleague that was asking was there did we know of any um resources that had an equity lens to crisis standards of care because if you're simply just going off of or you're you're basing a good part of your decision on whether someone has chronic conditions or comorbidities then we know that that's going to disadvantage black folks and disadvantage other communities of color that have higher rates of hypertension of diabetes of of asthma and those other conditions that you know are really interacting with covid-19 to make it particularly particularly deadly. So there's been important conversation that's been happening over the past few weeks. We also heard, you know, uh, there were a couple of states that released um, some standards of care that, you know, also implicated um, potentially not providing, you know, ventilators to people with disabilities. And so, you know, there's a host of issues um, that, you know, are of of concern. And we clearly see there isn't a focus on equity, particularly on, on racial equity and making sure Um, that Black communities and other communities of color that are already coming into this pandemic um, at a disadvantage will not be further um, disadvantaged by um, poor decision-making and and lack of leadership.
1: What can be done, Dr. Lubin, to enforce the collection of of racial data? That's something you're saying the CDC really has to mandate, doesn't it?
2: They have to mandate it. And I think um, there's a a bill in Congress now um, where there's an effort to to mandate it, but the CDC can do it to to make it really clear that as the data is coming in at the local level, you cannot skip the box um, or the line around, you know, what what is the race of the patient? Um, And so they just, they they need to be clear. there, there needs to be um, just clear direction that this is important and critical for us to know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if if people are experiencing what they seem to feel may be some neglect or disparity, what do you suggest they do?
2: hmm yeah so I would you know a couple of things that 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 people can do i would I would reach out to your local health department, particularly if there is um, a, a health equity officer or community or a community health coordinator um, to 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 share what's what what you're experiencing They're also within healthcare organizations themselves within a clinic, reach out to the the head person, the executive director or um, within hospitals, they have um that are responsible for, you know, getting down to the bottom of these types of issues. Um, but, but the important thing is that uh, don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it's, it's about, our, these are life and, and death issues, is that um, even if you feel that you can't get tested, is to keep going, find another location. Um, we You know, same thing uh, here with family. That was a a family member that was sick and didn't think that they could get tested and so you know we you know sprung into action and reach out to support right to folks who you think who may who you know may be in the know and that's what i think is really important in this moment as well where sometimes you know we don't reach out to people to our family to friends you know reach out if you're feeling sick if you don't know where to go call someone text let people know what's going on with you so that you're not going through this alone
1: yeah um Of course, Donald Trump hates the World Health Organization, but I was on their website um, and saw the, I mean, I knew it existed, but I I saw for the first time the page uh, devoted to what are known as health determinants. And, you know, when I went through that, everything, I mean, I know it affects, it applies to a lot of people all over the world, But everything on that page applied to African-Americans, the socioeconomic conditions that affect our health. So we can say, can't we, Um, our struggle with health disparities has been generational. And so before Corona even came into existence, we were almost uh, uh, set up or put in a position to be at a disadvantage.
2: Yeah, I mean, so this is systemic and generational, right, as you said, right? If you go back, you go back to the history of, of Black health in this country, right, that, you know, we have, you know, from, from slavery, through reconstruction, through uh, Jim Crow, post-civil civil rights movement, and, and now, right, like we have always had and received limited access to health care, We've um, received the poorest quality health care and have had the worst health outcomes, right? And so so this is a systemic issue. Um, This is not new, right? That there's been a movement for health equity and health justice um, for for decades now. Um, uh, Trying to sound the alarm, Black folks trying to sound the alarm, public health um, folks trying to sound the alarm that we have these multiple social determinants um, that are producing poor health, right? That it's not a, it's not at an individual level, right? That there's nothing inherently wrong with Black people, right? That race is not something that is biologically determined, right? That it is because of these social, political, economic determinants, right? That disadvantage us, that chip away at our health, that that you know we don't, you know, the the the, the you know we have in our communities gentrification, um, aff- affordable housing crisis, homelessness. Um, forty percent of all uh, of those who are homeless are are Black people. Um, the 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 issues, the crisis around um, labor policy in this country. We don't have paid sick leave, right? And so right. we see all of these things coming together. Um, we don't have living wage in in most of the places where we live. So we see all these um, dynamics coming together, right? In a way that you know creates this you know perfect storm of inequity that you know is able to um, capitalize, if you will on those that are most vulnerable in our society.
1: And so this this should strengthen the argument for healthcare reform more more than ever, shouldn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. It should, right? I mean, if 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 this pandemic doesn't make it clear that we need a real national health insurance program like Medicare for All, I don't know what else it takes, right? We cannot have a system where your health your ability to access healthcare is tied to your job? What happens when you have massive un- unemployment like what we're facing right now? How are you going to access healthcare? What happens when when you leave the, the decision to expand a program like Medicaid to local or to state politics, right? People get left out, particularly Black people, especially in Southern states where we predominate. Like Most of the Black, black population in the US lives in Southern states. 60% of us live in Southern states. Um, and so, so so, this pandemic, right, um, we have to, if anything, right, we have to be clear about the need for Medicare for All. We have to be clear that we cannot tie um, access to health care to your ability to pay or whether you have a job. And so I hope, you know, that, you know, we come out of this, you know, fighting yeah. <laughs> and ready to go on this issue, right, that we, we have got to. We have got to transform the healthcare system in this country.
1: No doubt about it. And, and speaking of um, southern states, you're in one. Uh, it is in some of these states where uh, these Republican governors want to prematurely reopen um, these communities. Um, and um, um, you're in Florida. You know, I, I'm part of a national prayer call every morning. So I'll be sure to include you in that since you're in Florida. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Especially in Florida.
2: <laughs> we need prayer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um it, but you know it's is interesting because it even some of the the places they would argue for reopening Dr. Lubin are also places that we oftentimes as African Americans disproportionately patronize. Right? So it, that will put us in even greater danger if these places are open prematurely, Wanted. it?
2: Yeah, and then not only patronize, but often we're the service providers,
1: right? right. right?
2: And, and so, you know, and that's a big part of, you know, the conversation that we're having in that, you know, we are at risk because we are on the front lines, you know, in these service industries. Um, and so you're seeing that these governors are making these decisions that are not informed by public health, uh, they don't seem to care that you know that 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 this rush to to open up the country right is actually potentially a rush to open up to kill more folks and p- potentially right. kill more black folks right um, and so so the the politics that you know that is governing <laughs> southern states and and nationally right coming from the trump administration is 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 problematic. Um, we see that people are not at the center of this pandemic. Even in a public health emergency, when you have to put people at the center, right, that that is not what is guiding and leading the decisions that are being made.
1: You you almost have to wonder in the political calculus, because in these Southern states, in yours, for example, Florida, I mean, you open stuff up to it. We we know white folks are dying too. We know that. Mm -hmm. And many of these whites who are older are in Donald Trump's and Fox News Channel's constituency. So you have to wonder whether the decision has been made that um, uh, some of their lives are worth sacrificing as long as you get as many, if not more, black lives as well.
2: Yeah, so I mean, it was a. Few, it was it the lieutenant governor? Was one of those first first uh, Republicans a few weeks ago that said, you know, uh, some we're just gonna have to sacrifice, right? That right. Um, you know, you have to open up, and if you know, if 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 we lose grandma, that's okay, pretty much, right? That um. So yeah, so there's the calculus, right? That yes, will potentially um. You know making this decision to open up will potentially get some of our constituents but now right now it's looking like this is uh, hitting black folks more and, and latinx folks um more that oh okay well and, and then in the cities right so it play it, it it plays into this 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 politics right it's the it's the folks in the cities it's the, it's the people of color it's the black latinx and immigrant folks right um and so they, they there's a there's a calculus being made that it's not necessarily going to hit uh, the white conservative um, constituency um, as much, and that let this become a problem that Black people have to deal with, right? We can isolate, right? So, so we're, we're seeing it play out. We're going to isolate this and, and 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 move on, right? There's this right. rush to to move on, and and what happens when 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 the country moves on, and we're left, you know, in Black Communities all across the country, um, in St. Louis, in DC, in Baltimore, Chicago, New Orleans, um, without the resources, um, because the country has moved on, um, the government has moved on, and now we're left to try to pick up the pieces and try to have a recovery um, that, that, that doesn't have the adequate um, resources and support and coordination that's needed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you also, uh, your Center for Urban Racial Equality has a hub for equity and justice in the u s. coronavirus response, correct?
2: yeah, so we 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 put this hub together. Um, you know, in the in about a month, like about a month ago, we started you know getting all of this information from different groups, you know, that were responding right? that's the one one of the bright lights in this pandemic was that we were seeing, You know, groups in our community really, you know, springing to action, the mutual aid networks, um, the advocacy that was coming out really clearly about the things that we needed, paid sick leave, the moratoriums on um, utility shutoffs. Um, And so lots of good resources targeted um, to black communities, to immigrant communities, um, you know, that was really trying to bring a uh, equity lens and a racial equity lens to the response. And so we wanted to have a centralized place for people to be able to access these resources. So we have this just broad collection of, of, of information that's being put out by um, Data for Black Lives, NAACP, a number of different um, grassroots, Black-led organizations, um, health departments. So it's a place to go you know, for folks that are also wanting to, to figure out how they can get involved, because there's a section on there that's um, t- targeted towards policy change and policy demands, you know, particularly for us to understand like, what we need to be asking for um, at the local level, because you know, federal government um, advocacy and policy is critical you know, in terms of paid sick leave and national health insurance, Medicare for all, but a lot of what we're gonna need in terms of supports um, is at the local level, and so we need to get involved and, and be pushing our council folks um, pushing local um, governments to 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 respond in an equitable uh, way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and folks, these are things that we've talked about on the show. Uh, things that we can do while we're home, um, you know, and and get involved and and do organizing and be made aware uh, because this is going to be again be a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, we're not out of the woods let's, yet. This won't be the last pandemic. Uh, and this one may not be over in the foreseeable future. They even saying if once it flattens, it might come back. So, right. you know, what are we going to do? I notice you also have a section up here uh, devoted to the incarcerated community, uh, the LGBTQ community, so many different communities that are impacted. Dr. Lubin, we also want to let our listeners know that you are at the urban uh, and racial equality dot org center are doing a webinar correct
2: we have a webinar coming up on thursday may 7th at 6 p.m and this conversation is going to be focusing on one we're going to get on the ground reports from black public health uh professionals in uh detroit new orleans um we're also going to have um some policy policy discussion and the organizing that needs to be happening Um, So we'll have someone from New Florida Majority as well as um, uh, Brookings Institution that's been really doing um, some great analysis. Um, Dr. Andre Perry that's been doing some great analysis on what's been happening um, in our city so that we can better understand what's happening. But then also as we're thinking about the organizing work that needs to happen um, to start to have that conversation. But we really want to hear also from our folks that are on the ground. Um, triaging and responding to this, this epidemic so that we can really understand first um, where the gaps are and then what are the solutions and the strategies that we need to start thinking about as we, as we think about how we have an equitable response and recovery, particularly for, for Black America.
1: Urban and Urbanandracialequity.org, folks. Go there to find out more about those webinars and get involved. Um, Dr. Lubin, uh, we appreciate you. Um, thank you for your work and your dedication to this. Lord knows we need you and I will continue to keep, uh, you and your family, uh, and the center in my prayers. Okay.
2: Thank you so much, Mark. So good to be with you.
1: All right. Likewise. You all take care now. Okay.
2: You too. Take care. Be all right.
1: Safe. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts, if all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.